Welcome to the Different Thinking Podcast with your host, Zach Hensrud. All right, all right. Welcome to episode number five. I hope you enjoyed our launch and the four episodes that were on launch day of June 1st, 2022. I am so excited of the feedback that I have received uh, and also uh, the just the, the number of folks that have already downloaded the podcast. So to you, I say thank you. Now, we're going to get into episode number five here, which is the power of rethinking. The power of rethinking. And this is going to be the three takeaways that I got from a phenomenal, phenomenal book, Think Again, by Adam Grant. Now they say leaders are readers, right? As I started to say that, you probably finished that sentence. Now I will tell you, that's not always the case. But if you're a different thinking leader, you know, someone that welcomes creativity, that tests today's conventional wisdom and challenges it along with is focused on development and growth, This is a book that I highly, highly recommend because the idea of rethinking or reframing is a vital part of a different thinking leader. Now, Adam Grant is a uh, psychology uh, professor at Wharton College. Not only that, he has written a number of best-selling books as well as Uh, as a TED Talk presenter. But in 2021, he wrote this book, Think Again. And I, the three takeaways that I got from this was huge. So let's just go ahead and get right into it because I think you're going to walk away with some valuable information uh, that will help you in your organization today. So if you're in your car, just listen. Uh, If you're on the treadmill, again, this is not a great spot to take notes. Uh, I don't want to see you falling off (laughs) the the equipment as you're you're working out. But if you're in a spot where you can actually grab out a piece of paper and take some notes, I highly recommend this, especially on this first point. You have to identify who you are. You have to identify who you are. And Adam gave us four people uh, or gave folks, the readers, four people of who are you in this scenario. And the, the chapter is right off the bat, a preacher, a, a prosecutor, politician, and a scientist walk into your mind. So you have to identify, are you a preacher, a prosecutor, a politician, or a scientist? Now you might be scratching your head, how does this all come together? And, and I found that in chapter one, it really set uh, the tone for the the whole book because you had to 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 really attack the proper way of reframing and rethinking conventional wisdom or what you know or how you feel. You really have to identify who you are. So let's go ahead and get into it a little bit deeper into the into the weeds here. A preacher who is a preacher when you think about that. A preacher is that that person that stands up on on a Sunday or a, a religious day and is sharing from the sacred text, right? Uh, this is a person that is uh, full of uh, conviction, is charismatic, is 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 someone that is uh, sharing their position in such a way that they believe 
that this is truth and there's no other truth that exists. And so a, a preacher is someone that defends, that conveys, whether motivationally or through other measures, their sacred beliefs through their sacred texts to try to get you, the listener, to follow along. And so uh, that, that's what a preacher is. A prosecutor is someone that is a little bit differently. They, they don't necessarily share their side of the position as much, but they are out to destroy the other side of the position. So it, when you're in an argument or when you have a, a, tr a truth, there is the truth and then there's the fallacy, right? And so a prosecutor is out to prove the falsehood false, not that his truth is truth or her truth is truth. And so a prosecutor is much more apt to attack the opposite side. A politician, now, this one, I hope, for me, <laughs> that's one of those ones, you know, when I read it, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I, I would never want to be defined as a politician. But I, find it, I found it very interesting in, in the way that he defined politician. You know, a politician is one that is out there campaigning that's trying to build a majority behind him, trying to, uh, uh, or her. Again, it's one of those things that that person is out there trying to build some sort of following, some sort of uh, belief behind uh, them by hitting on the high points and staying away from some of the points that would derail them. And you could see this, uh, especially uh, in uh, our, our political climate of today, you can see those hot points that politicians like to hit and points that they like to stay away from. And uh, one of the things that I do enjoy during uh, election season is watching some of the debates, you know, and, and seeing what, you know, how one side will bring up a certain set of points that the other side doesn't want to talk about. And then the other side does the opposite. Right. And so they're just trying to build that following. And so all three of these, the preacher, the prosecutor, the politician really doesn't lend to any type of rethinking because what they know is what they know. And that has to be right. That has to be true. And so let's get into the last one, a scientist and a scientist is one in their, in their true definition is, is someone that is going to test, who's going to challenge, who's going to seek out what is the truth or what is the, the, uh, the outcome. And that is absolutely a different thinking leader is someone that is a scientist, someone who's willing to say, I know we've always done it this way, but are we willing to try it another way? I know we've always, we've always operated this way, but are we willing to test it uh, in a, an, another manner. And so it's something where a scientist is one that is willing to test, is willing to reflect, is willing to uh, tr try something and, and not in fear that, uh, that they're going to be different. And they're also willing to scrap things that don't work and keep things that do. <clears throat> and so in doing that and saying that, we really have to identify who we are in point number one. And I, I feel like that is really the, the foundation of it. Point number two, I, I really enjoyed, but it's 
understanding that in any argument, the two sides are really not that far apart. And Adam brought up the New York Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox. And if you're a casual sports fan, you know this is one of the pro sports rivalries that are truly a rivalry. The Yankees do not like the Red Sox. The Red Sox do not like the Yankees. And it doesn't matter. It could be a regular season, postseason. They are going head-to-head. Uh, it is it is one of those series that if you're just wanting to watch from afar or you know turn on, you know you're going to see fireworks no matter the the teams could be horrible versus awesome, you know, and and that rivalry is 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 there. But they didn't look at it from the players' perspectives. Because the players play on the field, they looked at Adam came at it from the fans' perspectives, which I thought was very interesting as being a sports fan myself and seeing that the fans they had some very strong opinions about the opposite fans. So Red Sox fans had a very, very strong opinion about Yankee fans. And Yankee fans had a very, very strong opinion about Red Sox fans. And so they brought them together and you know separated them and had Boston Red Sox fans share what they did not like about Yankee fans. And they put a bunch of words on a board. And they just started putting words there. And in a separate room, they had Yankee fans share what they didn't like about Red Sox fans. And they started sharing and putting words on the board. And then they brought the boards together. And wouldn't you know it, the same words were on both boards. Arrogant. Uh, rude. Uh, you know, all sorts of names were on the, both boards. And both fan bases viewed the opposite one the very same way. And in this chapter, he he really does a masterful way of crafting it, of understanding that, listen, there isn't that far, that isn't, there isn't that far of a difference between the two. Both fan bases wanted their teams to do very, very well. Actually, not very, very well. They wanted, both fan bases wanted their team to win the World Series. They want their teams to be good. They want to play against the best. They want to see the other side lose. And so you start to see that there's, there is a bridge to this gap and from a different thinking leader side, you, you can understand that in an argument, it is something that in any argument, any, any issue, you can find that there's actually commonplace, common ground that can be gained. And that gap that initially looked like the Grand Canyon could be the size of a little, uh, a creek or a, a, a little brook, you know, uh, a difference, you know, where, where they can, where the two sides can come together and actually root for one another. And Adam shows how, how you could get a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan to admit that, yeah, I, I could root for the Yankees or I could root for the Red Sox on the opposite side, which is, is amazing in understanding that once you start to build that commonplace, all of a sudden that gap starts to lessen. And that really gets me to point number three. And I think this is the one that it it took me not only uh, one time through a second time through to read through, but it was how to active, uh, how to have active or actively listen uh, 
to an opposite side of a topic that you have a strong feeling against. And Adam in his book actually brought up some very controversial topics, things that people would say, I don't want to discuss this because if I just said the topic right away, there would be people on one side of of the aisle per se and people on the other side for or against. Uh, And he really started off with one uh, and vaccines. Uh, And he also brought up, I think, abortion uh, in this in this book. And I know it's not things that us as leaders that will ever really necessarily deal with from the aspect of uh, in businesses or organizations. But I think the principle is what is important is that when a topic like this comes up, it is important as a different thinking leader to do this. And that is actively listen and actively listen is not just, uh uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Great. Let me take a few notes. Wonderful. Okay. Sounds good. And you're wrong. Right. Or I disagree with you because of this active listening is this is you ask open ended questions, not yes, no questions. You ask open ended questions. Tell me, how do you feel about this and listen Listen actively and find the key words within that and ask a follow-up question and have the person that is sitting across from you open up further and further and further. And as they do, they will self-discover what their true beliefs are because there are times that we have beliefs that have been ingrained in us from years and years and years and years of conventional wisdom. And we've never really truly thought about it. We never really truly put actual uh, intentional thought behind it. And so therefore, when we've been questioned, you know, when a person is questioned about your beliefs that you've never thought about, you're like, no, it has to be this because I've always known it to be this. And so when you execute on active listening, it allows you to hear the person fully out. It allows the conversation to be created And so it goes from an argument to an actual conversation and you can get to the true motivation behind why they believe or why they feel that certain way. And when you have that idea of this is your emotion and I'm not going to tell you that your emotion is wrong. I'm going to tell you that this is a very right emotion. Just tell me and express to me as much as you can how you feel. And so I felt like in that chapter, I had to go back and reread it again Because it is something that, again, he brought up those controversial topics that really invoked a certain feeling one way or another, but then found that in those scenarios through active listening, it actually opened a person up for them to make a decision for themselves. Not a decision off of belief that has been ingrained in them, but a decision for themselves and a decision that that they walked away with going okay, I, I, not only am I going to live with this decision, but I know that this is what I believe or what I, what I think is, is the, the right way to go. And so how we can apply this in our organizations is we have folks that, that may disagree with how, how a organization is run or how a business is run or may disagree with how you live. And I, and I think when you have that opportunity to sit one-on-one with the person that has a disagreement with you, Invoking active listening, invoking that, let me hear you out thoroughly, 
will open them up and really find the true motivation of why they disagree with you. And so, uh, again, these three takeaways were huge in that you can take these and apply them into your organization today and really start to see a difference. Now, I'm going to give you a bonus one. I know I know, I said that there was three, but I'm going to give you one more. And it's the understanding of this. And, and Adam brought this in here. And this is why I, I truly, truly recommend you purchasing this book is that conflicts are healthy for an organization. Conflicts are healthy for an organization, or I could say it better. Conflicts can be healthy for an organization when handled properly. Conflicts actually create growth because if you come at it from a scientist mindset, you can actually test this conflict. You can, you can then from that scientist mindset, start to find the, the gaps, right? Where, you know, you start to bridge the gaps in that argument by active listening and asking those open-ended questions it will start to open up that person and therefore it will start to bring about what is really the true motivation. And then you can, as a leader, as a different thinking leader, use that conflict to build your team. Now, if you don't handle it correctly, if you come at it from a preacher, a prosecutor, or a politician where you are saying it's my way or the highway, conflicts can actually erode your organization. And so that's why I didn't include it as a point because you got to take these three points to really, really unfurl con, you know, like conflict to really get to the heart of it and see that conflict can actually be a healthy thing for your organization. And so if you're having conflict in your organization, and we're actually going to get this into a different episode, but if you're having conflict in your organization, I highly recommend you diving into this book, identifying yourself, finding the the bridge within the argument, understanding that you're not that far apart and apply active listening. And that will allow you to rethink and reframe whatever problem you have. And, and we're going to get a little bit deeper into that in episode number seven um, coming up. But until then, these are the three takeaways that I got from Adam Grant's book. Think again. You can get that wherever you get your books at Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get it, it came out in 2021. Highly recommend it. And uh, I hope that you enjoy it. Now, once you read it, or if you have thoughts about this episode, always feel free to reach out. Our uh, How you can get a hold of me is hello at differentthinkingpodcast.com. Hello at differentthinkingpodcast.com. And remember, that you can also subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, as well as please go ahead and give us a five-star review uh, or give, give this podcast show a five-star review. We would uh, love that. And until then, remember today is a great day to apply different thinking into your organization. Have a great day, everyone.